1: I mean, that's another one. Is I can cherry pick the ones that I think aren't seen enough. But that's gonna be my opinion.
2: <laughs> oh, that would be of of all the lists. Yeah, but well, then why, I have to we, uh...
1: look through it.
2: <laughs> well, what we could do? How many lists are there? Or how many?
1: I mean, was probably
3: six. What if you? Seven, what if you? What if you take one, or two, you from each one or two from each list?
2: That you think people have not seen. Oh, that's we could we can work with that. We we'll can try that. Yeah, let's yeah. try that. That would be okay. great. That would okay. be fantastic. <laughs> so yeah, so I'm not no
1: Big Lebowski's not making my cut.
2: Yeah, no, that, that that's, uh, that's everybody, everybody talks, talks about. I think that. people have heard of it.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> well, what's um, uh, I think first, I first I'd heard James stuff a lot, but I, I saw you at the L.A. Pod when you showed up as um Sebastian
1: Gorka. Gorka. Yes, yeah, good with the was, Chapel Trap House guys. Yeah, that was you know
3: I did a lot of good
1: for his career. <laughs> <laughs> you know. It's, it's, we, it's a weird place gone. because he's carved out a very popular niche career for himself in the alt-right where he's like the number one speaking guest at their events and stuff. But How sad is everyone that? in <laughs> yeah. showbiz goes, James, why are you picking someone like that who's so obscure to do an impression of? And I'm like, he's their number one guy. You don't know only it.
2: obscure to you. Hey, well, Howard, you Combin, did that thing a while obscure. ago where you had to explain to people that it wasn't him, right? That was...
1: Oh, that happens sometimes. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) In many
2: ways, (laughs) but he he does a dead-on Gorka and and Bernie. um, But yeah, that was
0: that was hilarious.
2: By the way, do have have you have you Gorka's
0: favorite movies? (laughs) (laughs) Zulu, (laughs) (laughs) Triumph of the Will. Now we have to pay him. The Third Uh, Man, (laughs) unfortunate ending, but The Third Man.
2: Um, uh, and then also before we go in, have you heard anything? I talked to Dave, David not, uh, Dave Anthony, who's um, good friend, and did the show with. Uh, oh yeah, with Gareth, uh, Matt Chrisman. Is he uh, is he still with us? Uh, <laughs> Who Matt Chrisman? After the
1: oh, you know, I heard about that tangentially. I think he just had a really bad hangover. Okay, because uh, he did tweet something. There I yeah, was, the, the Hillary there thing. There was, was a dis- there was a display of life. Yeah, and, and he's probably still got hangover
2: uh, this is this is Four easily my later. favorite political podcast uh, these um and they did a live what was it on twitch i didn't even know what that was i'm i'm not uh, 20 so i had to
0: google it
1: twitch is a live streaming service that started with video gamers and it's becoming a thing where people just use it to broadcast live so they, they did
2: election night coverage and they were drinking heavily, and I would check back and forth between... It was an amazing yin and yang between CNN, which was the most devastatingly boring thing on the planet, and then these guys. I came back at one point and... and, and We're
1: getting and, some numbers in from Polk County. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> and, uh, well, there's also that moment when you look, at this entire table full of people, you know, Van Jones, all these guys, and you realize that, that Rick Santorum is the only person on the panel who actually believes in something. <laughs> it's so depressing. And I flip back over and... And Matt, one of the guys there, had drunk so much he was almost thought he was doing a bit, and he was just absolutely losing his mind on the air, which was pretty. Pretty entertaining, but
1: uh, yeah, um, you know, I love drinking, but yeah, uh, not, I also learned in college not to drink when you're performing.
2: Yes, <laughs> unless
1: I, I'll drink as much as the audience is drinking, that but seems, never more.
2: Well, there was, there was, uh, oh my god, do you, you you've been, uh, I don't know, the Beat Farmers? Does anybody remember the Beat Farmers?
1: Vaguely. Great
2: band out of San Diego, they were sort of a cowpunk band in the 80s. You, Don knows them, and I used to go see them at the Palomino, and they were a seriously drinking band. They would, they would take shots from the audience mm. all night long. And then country Dick, their drummer and one of their singers would do, uh, he'd do a little campfire thing. He'd come out in the audience and sit down. then people would pass joints around and pretty much every night after a show you'd walk out and you would see, um, the roadies pulling the, uh, uh instruments and country Dick's comatose form into the back of the van.
1: <laughs> it was pretty
2: amazing. Pretty amazing. And then he died on stage.
1: So well, there you are. Uh, but anyway, Die we are... On stage, what a hero. Yes. Like Moliere.
3: In his boots. Come on, who hasn't died on stage? What comedian hasn't died on
1: stage? Be- <laughs> <laughs> it's the best way to go.
2: Um, but shall we, are we... Uh, okay, we're... we're uh... oh. Hi, I'm Josh Olson, and you're listening to The Movies That Made Me, official podcast of trailers from hell we are here this week with uh, the great comedian james adomian but you've done comedy, Bang Bang, uh, Last Comic Standing, the great Trump versus Sanders debate of a couple of yes, years ago. Yes,
1: Trump versus Bernie,
2: uh, which was great fun. And um, but you're also a uh, recurring player on a couple of great, great podcasts, <laughs> uh, The Dollop, which is a friend of ours, a yeah. uh, friend of our podcast, and of course, uh, Chapo Trap House, which is a little podcast.
1: Yes, dear probably use the
2: boost of us mentioning them on our our <laughs> show.
1: If you haven't uh, heard of Chapo <laughs> Trap House.
2: I think what they they said they got 250,000 viewers on their Twitch stream
1: doesn't surprise me but that's, that's crazy. a lot.
2: That's yeah, that's that's a lot. So uh, we have a ways to go, Joe. Yeah.
1: Someday um, they'll do the um the Queen Stadium concerts. Yeah. Jesus. They'll do Wim- Wimbley. They will,
2: they will. Um but uh but anyway, James came to us uh was going to come to us with a list of you know, just you know, ten ten movies that made you and I. I got this frantic text about forty five minutes ago saying my my list is down to sixty.
1: Um, so we well, can, it's a tough. Uh, There's a tough assignment because you know, in the back of my head, I'm like, oh, no problem. I'll come up with ten movies, and then it gets to last night, and I fall asleep <laughs> scrolling through this. I fall asleep scrolling through this list trying to categorize things, and then I wake up and I'm like, that's sixty movies. Sixty and movies, I, and I cut a lot of them out too. <laughs> um,
2: so what, what we thought we talked a little bit before it started, we thought what we do, cause he's broken them down into a bunch of different categories yes. and we thought we can either do a six hour show <laughs> or what we can do is we could take a couple from each category that are lesser known and, and, and that might focus be the best way other. to go. So you can take a category and then take one or two that are less known from that. And we could talk about those or we can just talk about the big Lebowski for an hour <laughs> but i feel hey. like our listeners are probably
1: so yeah there was like yeah there's like funny movies there's movies that were influential in my childhood there's space movies there's sort of like tragic mind-blowing apocalyptic movies and then there's some uncategorizable ones and then there's like war epics and then there's uh, gay and gay adjacent movies and and then a couple documentaries so
2: so why, don't, well, why just, not? Why let's just take Okay, sorry. Well, should I write that down? What's the first list? The
1: first list I have is the really funny movies.
2: What is what is what's the most obscure funny movie that you love that people ought to know?
1: Okay, so I'm looking through these. I'm not going to I'm not going to tell you the ones that I am not going to list off here, but Don't boy, say Gremlins. Tough one. How what if I say? Now, here's. What if I say? OSS 117. Oh, okay, uh, sure. the French James yeah. Bond parody. Yes. There's two of them, so I'm Jeez. cheating. Yes. yes. Uh, no, that's great. Ka- Cairo, Nest of Spies, yeah. and Lost in Rio. Uh, they star uh, Jean- Dujardin. No. Yeah, Jean Dujardin. Jean Dujardin from The Artist. You, yep. Most people know him. And this was a couple years before that. And I. Same director. Uh, same director. And I saw. Oh, what's his name again? Um, Michel. Has, I can't pronounce Havnash. it. Michael Havnacious. Havanacius, maybe. There you go. Yeah. I saw those movies, uh, both of them on the big screen at the N- New Art and maybe some other similar theater here in LA. And uh, both of them sparsely attended and just the people that showed up were just laughing the whole yeah. time. Yeah. It's French, so there's subtitles. And I don't, I never learned French. There's a few phrases I know, but I really, but you it's... eat English. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I do. <clears throat> I'm, I'm relearning how to read English, teaching myself. Uh, no, but I feel like people,
2: people don't. It, it's all, I've, I've rarely been to a sold-out subtitled movie.
3: Well, subtitled movies just don't, don't hack it anymore. Eh. People don't want to read. It was a death knell to uh, importing foreign movies, really. And what, I mean, when people
1: it, stopped reading?
3: Yeah, it's, it happened in the 70s and 80s. They just mm-hmm. decided suddenly, and, and it, concurrently with that, they decided they didn't like dubbing. So, so that, just that, a, that was a big problem X for X
2: people completely. who are trying to sell Unless movies over here. A la
1: L'Artiste. Well, that that's true. Or when they have, um, you know, uh, I don't remember what the movie was with um, Robert Pattinson playing Salvador Dali as a young man. Um, it was like a French-Spanish co-production, one of those money from multiple European right. countries. But it was in English. And I, and I loved the movie, but I was like, "God damn it! This should have been in Spanish with subtitles." Right, <laughs> but then no one would have seen it. Then no well, one I would sure. have seen it twice, <laughs> right. making up for millions.
2: Right, but no, the OSS. Now I'm. This is my stupidity. Um, there's actually a whole bunch of straight
3: OSS. Yeah, this is a parody of uh, what was a subgenre, basically.
1: There's the French OSS movies from the '60s that are like their James Bond. And Claude
3: Claude Chabrol did a whole bunch of them, uh, and and, uh, they were it was a whole it was a whole James Bond rip off kind of um, subspecies.
2: Oh no, that! But I mean, but the specific OSS, there's there's a series of those movies about that character um, specifically,
3: like Fantomas.
2: Kind of, yeah, and then and I don't I don't know enough about the history of them. To and I haven't it. seen those either. I just yeah. saw the
1: parody, and it was just exactly those what I wanted wonderful. at the time. The
2: color, just the color. I could eat those movies.
1: Um, they're just they're like, the, the OSS Santo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, yeah. It looks it looks a lot like Goldfinger, and he yeah. and he in the wardrobe and everything looks a lot like Sean Connery, James Bond. Well,
2: doesn't he? Yeah, every he and yeah, yeah. It's and you
1: amazing. know, he's uh, he's. John Dujardin from the artist people know he's with this hilarious face and the mugging. Yeah. Th- this this is he's like that in these movies and they're really really funny gags comedically. One of the things I love about a great comedy is when every scene works by itself as a sketch mm-hmm. and that's true of these movies. Yeah. Every scene there's like these 10-minute scenes where you're like, "Oh, that could just live. You could just screen that by itself and it would work." Yeah. Um they're they're funny in very smart and dumb ways at the same time, which I'm a big fan of. Um, well, you can
2: almost watch them seriously if you have no sense of humor and take them as a... <laughs> yeah, uh,
1: yes, yeah, so professors of film and sociology can enjoy yeah. them too. Yeah,
2: exactly. But no, but that's also a genre. I mean, we're, you know, I'm, I'm a huge fan. That's why I was so stunned that I didn't know about the original French ones. Mm-hmm. I love James Bond knockoffs. And I have an entire box set of the German Commissar X yeah. movies, which are
1: I don't know this is a oh, German <laughs> comedy
2: No no they're well they're funny
1: they're they're um, accidentally funny.
2: yeah but that that period of it's only a few years yeah. too um, of everybody in the world making
1: a James Bond knockout. spy craze.
2: yeah and there's a series of books about this character in Germany there's 800 of them and they made numerous movies and there's a box set of I think the first seven I'm not sure if they did more and they're um, yeah they're very much that.
1: Uh, um who's the what's the author of the um uh uh uh, spy who came in from the cold i'm missing his name john le Le carré yeah le carré i love i love that i love those books yeah Yeah. um I, i i love reading those on the page there's a lot of serious spy fiction in movies and books and i i i've seen a lot of it and i've read a little bit of it And um, I just love any chance to send it up. Yeah. Um, And there's a lot of tropes from uh, the James Bond movies that they make fun of in this uh, series. I think it's Cairo Nest of Spies where there's a scene where there's like um, uh, international criminal gangsters and uh, Jean Dujardin in a circle and they're sort of trading witty barbs. And then there's one guy that's a dumb guy that doesn't get how to do the suggestive thing. Because <laughs> they're saying, I forget how the joke goes, but they're like, chickens who don't roost at night ought to be careful, right. you know, suggesting. And then it gets to this guy and he keeps messing it up and they're like, you don't know how to do this. <laughs> um, and there's another there's another brilliant visual, physical scene with music with very few words where he's chasing someone through um, like a North African fortress city. And uh, and it's just slapstick where, you know, there's all these James Bond movies where there's some chase. He gets lost. And you think, why didn't that ever happen to James Bond? He gets lost in this labyrinth city. And it's so funny because you're like, well, I never would have thought to, to go there if I'm right. making a James Bond type movie.
2: I, gotta say, I was just talking to Don, you know, one of the things I love about doing this is... There's so many movies I get turned on to, but that also reminds me, because I've been sitting on, I haven't seen them since the theater, and I somehow have these French Blu-rays of them that I have not watched yet. It's been years since I've seen them. I'm, I'm sitting here going, I'm, I'm I'm going home to watch those tonight. Unless you come up with eight other movies. Josh's, home Josh's watch movie
3: that. watching has increased exponentially since he started has got you know, a little more <laughs>
1: of So you're you know. saying you have?
2: No, I have. I've seen them, okay. and I have French Blu-rays. I don't think they've been released over here. Of of those, of those two, I have them on DVD. So
1: I, I don't know if they're on Blu-ray or not. Um, Here's an interesting thing too, because obviously FilmStruck uh, is going away, the the channel. But that was always that, and the Criterion Collection are focused more on like older movies that I appreciate watching. But something like that is a more recent. A um, movie, and I don't think something like that lives on either Netflix or FilmStruck, and I, there's like not a place for movies like that. Or, you know, it's a, a, an interesting point. Another thing you have to go buy or see it in the theater is Pedro Madovar movies. Right, um, they're not on Netflix. because well, no, he's, he's like probably holding out for more money. <laughs>
2: I feel like, am I wrong? Isn't there a, a Criterion set coming, or they've been doing him? Oh, now Madovar. Yeah, 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 but yeah, no, that's that's a that's a good point. I mean, who's. Mm. Joe, you're the streaming expert. I'm kidding. No, oh,
3: I'm not a streaming expert, but <laughs> I, I, but but I, I do miss uh, Filmstruck. Although yeah. I didn't watch it that much because I had seen so many of the movies already. Uh, but I think the fact that it's uh, that's gone is um, just a sign of how confused the rights holders are about what they're going to do with
1: their libraries. And yeah. When everybody's uh, trying to do their own Netflix. Yeah, and
3: they're all and well. You know, since Fox bought Disney, and now all these movies are migrating from one place to another, and everybody's trying to get together their supposed film library. Uh, I mean, Warner Brothers owns two thirds of all the American movies ever made, and yet, uh, how many places are there for you to, to
1: see them? Only Turner Classic Movies. Right. You could do a, you could do some kind of stupid thriller movie where there's a MacGuffin that is the disc that has all the, it's the, all the original prints of the movies, and right. it's like,
0: give me the movies. <laughs> oh God,
2: the entire cinematic oeuvre of the world.
1: Well, I might as well. I might as well since I brought him up. I might as well El into it. Sure. Oh
2: wait, now we're <laughs> skipping over to. Uh, oh no, is this still comedy or are you gonna Well, he. Th- I some mean, of them are not
3: funny. You could go gay adjacent.
1: This is gay adjacent, but this gay is also adjacent. in okay. my. Um, this is also in my uh, Spanish uh, bucket. Um, you didn't... This is so confused. I didn't mention my Spanish bucket. This episode is ruined. I love...
2: <laughs> he did not mention his Spanish bucket.
1: <laughs> I love Almodovar, and I think it's not his most obscure movie, and it's definitely got play and, and critical attention in America, but I love Bad Education. Oh, yeah. And I saw it twice in the theater, and I've probably seen it four times at home. It's um, it's captivating, and it's very sexy, Thanks to um, Guile Garcia Bernal. That's,
2: <laughs> he has a knack for finding those guys.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Pedro. Gracias a Because
2: I feel like, uh, yeah, what's his, oh, goddammit, oh, this is embarrassing. I'll fix it in the, um, um, you know, the great, the great uh, No Country for Old Men guy.
1: <laughs> oh, um, um <laughs> uh, oh, your pardon.
2: Yes, thank you very much. I will cut that and I'll act like I didn't have a brain for it. Um, yeah, it wasn't Javier Bardem's first. It was the first thing I ever saw. Him in was uh, oh, Matador, yeah. and I just Matador
1: thinking, like, is the one. Where he's he's the injured yeah. in the opening scene. Yeah, and there's the. I don't know. Maybe a, should I describe the other character as an incel? <laughs> uh, that
3: word uh, that word didn't exist. It, it didn't yes. exist. <laughs> and yes. then it's this
1: great metaphor for um, the 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 political uh, wounds in Spain. Uh, from the Franco dictatorship and afterwards, and it's it's a brilliant, yeah. um, it's a brilliant allegory for um, the the political rift and healing um, after Franco was deposed. But that yeah, I knew that
2: I knew that. we all knew that right
1: but but i I mean i mean uh matt i could easily have said matador is brilliant that's another one i just i love i haven't seen it as many times but bad education is a movie that i will put on sometimes if i'm just stoned
2: or whatever really just uh... (laughs) that. and
1: the ending i remember the ending you know sometimes you're in a movie theater for two hours and you're like when's this movie going to end or sometimes you see the art you're like you know i'm into it The ending somehow is a surprise. Even though it's a full-length movie, you're like, oh, it's over. And they did it. And it's perfect. (laughs) And um, I remember, you know, there's a little bit of... There's more than a little bit of um, winking behind the camera and breaking the fourth wall as the movie progresses. And there's movies within movies. And I remember... And there's sort of a message as me as a filmmaker... And I remember, I, I think I s- think I saw it at the arc light. Uh He got a stand- He got a That's rapid standing right. ovation when yeah. when they cut to credits on that movie because you didn't see exactly how he was going to land the plane, and then it just it's done. And then I remember, I remember, I remember seeing some guy in the front row standing up and cheering and applauding. And I'm like, is that Pedro Amadovar's cousin, or <laughs> is that him? <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah what i lo- i I, lo- I love that movie um and it,
2: it it's another one so so well i've only done two films so far but but i uh brightly colored films seem to
1: uh speak to you sure i do <laughs> i mean i mean i could get to my black and white bucket too if you need to <laughs> i just saw the third man you on you didn't Wednesday. mention a
2: bucket that bucket guy. I, I just I two the, buckets he didn't I saw the third
1: man it. and that was the that was i soaked up a lot of black and white yeah I saw that um but yeah, um, um, bad education, uh, uh, it, it it really it deals with some touchy subjects like um, not only uh, Catholic priest abuse of children, but also like how you deal with that as a grown up. Right. And you get the feeling that it's sort of, it's coming from a place of personal wounds and healing them. And I think a lot of people appreciate that. A lot of people have gone through abuse or known people that have gone through abuse, and I feel like it was very cathartic and handled in ways that were funny at times, which you don't expect. Right. You don't expect. So he weaves this very interesting murder and intrigue tale around uh, the aftermath years later of uh, priest abuse. Hmm. Um, and obviously that's something, and this came out, well, probably 10 years ago, maybe 12, I'm guessing. Um, it's obviously blown up as a big news story (laughs) since then. Um, which
2: always was surprised. I just always thought that was just a given. I'm always surprised when
3: what the, 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 the abuse went on about, yeah i mean that's well yeah but it was one of those things that a you didn't talk about right uh and b you just figured well it's under the radar and who knows how many there are and it's not my business and but the fact is that you know all the while that i was i was brought up catholic and, and all, all the while that was going on And when i think back at some of the things that i saw when i was a kid that i didn't understand uh i think it was it was pretty widespread and i think a lot of people knew about it yeah yeah. I, mean, I just
2: remember when Sinead did that thing on SNL, and people lost their minds and yeah. were thinking, "Have I fallen?" Well, because they didn't
3: know why. I fall into some alternate universe. They didn't know where... why she did that. She's, she's just being mean to the Pope. You
1: know? <laughs> right, uh, <laughs> right. Uh, You're right. They uh, knew. If she had, if she had ten more seconds, maybe she could have given the backstory. <laughs> <laughs> if. If the if the corporate controlled propaganda medium of television had allowed her maybe a thirty minute special, <laughs> we all would have learned something more. Well,
3: that would have been on your list. Sorry, now I'm just imagining the the
1: uh, Pete, thirty minutes Pete of her ripping Sinead, up photos.
2: No, just like the NBC Sinead O'Connor special from you know 1987 or whatever that was. That the...
1: it would be it would be classic. That
2: would be great. Someone needs to go back and do. Um, uh, should we jump into another bucket?
1: Yeah, why not? So that's two. Of that's, my, that's, that's two out of sixty.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I think we're making real headway here.
1: So let me go with my child. My list of childhood movies, and God, this is some of these are bigger names, you know. Um, and this is tough. <laughs> What's
2: your most obscure childhood movie?
1: Well, it's not. There's two that I'm thinking that are okay. relatively obscure, but you know what? I'm going to go with. Um, I'm going to go with the Rocketeer. To some, it was the fulfillment of a dream.
2: To others, it was an instrument of destruction. A creation that could change the course of history. It was stolen from my factory.
0: Where's the package? This is the FBI! What do we tell the president? Tell me
1: exactly why this merchandise is so important to the feds. It's a rocket. A rocket.
0: What? Wow. What's the matter? I don't know. There's something under the seat. Oh my! What are we going here? What are you supposed to do? Is a bomb or
1: something? No. I wouldn't touch that if I were you. So I was 11 years old when the Rocketeer came out, and I was the right demographic for it for sure. <laughs> I think that's one that I saw three times in the theater. Um, I've memorized large chunks of it. Sure. I think it's a movie that's like, it's certainly not, um, it's certainly not mind blowing, but what an adventure. Yeah. And yes, it is very colorful, but it's got kind of a sepia tone to it to make it look like 1938 or whatever. It's so like right on the eve of, on the cusp of World War II where there's Nazis, but we're not at world war with them yet. And uh, uh, Timothy Dalton Steals Mm. the show As the villain Neville Sinclair Yeah And it's Based on the comic books From the 80s Great Dave Stevens comic Yes Dave Stevens And I have I don't have any of the originals But I have some of the Reprints of it You do Oh yeah Wow (laughs) That's That's a I'm I'm older than you
2: (laughs) 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 Now that movie is Joe loves that film You must Uh,
3: love it Sure But it it was It was Very sad to watch it sink I
1: Yeah, but at this point, I mean, that was, I mean, I was 11 years old. I was reading, I remember that was the first time I read reviews and argued with them in my head. Like, like, no!
0: (laughs) Because some some film
1: writer didn't like it and was saying it. I remember very distinctly the phrase in 1991 in this review of The Rocketeer pastiche of pastiche. And I, that's (laughs) when I learned the word
0: pastiche.
1: And I was, I was. Who wrote that? Do you remember who wrote I that? Don't remember. I'd have ah, to look it up. But I was like, you, you deserve, deserve to be obscure. Fuckhole. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's um, you're that not. You're obviously not. You're obviously a kid with their life in front of them. <laughs> but I,
2: I, I, as an adult, at this, I love that film. I mean, I just and and what what really cracked me up is, you would go off and see, even this day, although you know we talk about superhero movies way more often than people who don't like them should, but. um it, it it felt especially then that if a superhero movie did come through the cracks, if it was a big one, you know, you'd go to, you know, the Batman movie, he's running around killing people and doing all the stuff that he would never do in the comics. You know, they're always just violating stuff. I remember there was a script I read in the late eighties for a Spider-Man movie that new line was going to do where Spider-Man was a Peter Parker was this jock asshole who loses his leg in an accident and steals this spider serum that when he is in complete dark, his leg grows back, so he puts on a black costume and you know, you're know you sitting there going, what the... F- this is the Spider-Man But Rocketeer, a comic that only a tiny, tiny, tiny number of people had ever seen, they did everything completely, perfectly, accurately to the comic. It was amazing. It,
1: it, and it was... When you've read the comic books and you've seen the movie, the movie uh, is, is faithful to them in a way that it's not slavish. No, it's, it's loving. It's bringing it to life. Yeah. And it's... A, yeah. There's things about comic books that can work very well for, um, for bringing something to the screen. And I know that, um, Alan Moore would disagree with me greatly. Um, but I think the framing of a visual story in a comic book, uh, is it's great. It's like, it's your storyboard, right? And it looks like it's storyboarded by the comic books itself and themselves. And, um, it's, uh, it's such a, it's such a beautiful adventure story, um, and it's very Los Angeles and I had w- w- recently moved to Los Angeles oh, sure at the it time. Is, yes. So it was, it was me as a kid, uh, and then, you know, there's these references to the Baldwin Hills and, uh, Redlands and stuff. And when you live here, I love, I love it when Los Angeles is presented as a real place. And mm-hmm. it was so, you know, Howard Hughes makes a cameo in the movie. Right. Um, there's, uh, it's a lot of, a lot of. Uh, a lot of it's a lot of nostalgia for the the older days of la when there was bean farms everywhere right that's now you know the grove or whatever um and i loved i loved i i didn't know at the time that i wanted to be in showbiz i kind of it was probably at that point i was already on the track without knowing it but i loved the peak into old time showbiz and i guess I would come to appreciate the original movies that it's referring to, like the Errol Flynn, right. Robin Hood, the, you know, the, the, the bad guy is shooting their version of the Errol Flynn, Robin Hood movie. And, uh, and um, again, Timothy Dalton is playing this, this so send up of Errol Flynn as the, Hollywood star with fascist sympathies as the bad guy just perfect yeah yeah <laughs> and then there's so many little old Hollywood things that are folded into the story like the Hollywood sign I don't want to give away mean, people haven't seen it but I I loved it then and I loved I mean the soundtrack I still have on my on my list of walking around music um and so yeah that's a that's a treasured memory from that's such a good
2: film that is such a good film uh, I always
1: wanted to... I am still waiting for rocket packs to be a reality. Yeah.
0: <laughs> if
2: if you're uh, I, you either know this or you don't. But but um, there's a great if you're if you like L.A. and movies, do you know the uh, the documentary L.A. plays itself? I've tried
0: to
1: see that so many times. It's right up my alley. You can get it now.
2: It's, oh, you can? Yeah, you can buy it. You can buy it on Blu-ray.
3: Oh, okay. Maybe they'll
2: they finally have it at a the, Well,
3: there was a copyright issue. Yeah, but, but then it a, they the, finally that, got past it
2: with Fair Use. Or fair something. Use changed everything. And yeah.
3: uh, and it's it's a, it's really a very cleverly done.
1: It's buy. an amazing um, film. I've tried to see that, but it's always, I find out about it always like two days before, and it's like, it's screening. It was on YouTube for a while.
2: But it's not. The, there's a beautiful Blu-ray, and it's, I mean, talk about movies! It's three hours long, and it's over in five minutes. No problem. Yeah,
1: yeah that's just, to me. That's a. It's a. Put it on again. That's a nice Saturday night if I don't yeah. feel like being in a crowd.
2: No, you'll love it. It's incredible.
1: Um, it's incredible. Def- uh, yeah. The what? One thing I left off my list was movies that I have backed up in the uh, that I need oh, to watch. <laughs> <laughs> that. I, that's I, I a,
2: show, be, that's a show. When we let's get Werner Herzog on. to talk
1: about his unwatched cue. I that finally one. found Sleuth, and I've never seen it, ah, so okay. I'm going to watch that soon. Make, that's sure the... if, make sure
2: it's the original. Yeah, make
3: sure it's one with Michael. <laughs> yes, yes. Are they both with Michael? Um... Although, yeah. That's
2: cool. Although, you know what I liked about the remake? Do you remember the uh, he had that um, the Apple uh, that little remote mm-hmm. for the Apple. But it whatever he pointed at it made it do its function. I thought that was pretty cool. Like he pointed at a window and the window would open or close and
1: point the... I mean it belongs in a better movie.
2: But is that
1: three? that's the only thing I learned. Mm. <laughs> is that three movies or four? I don't remember. Uh, uh, oh I don't oh, know. We're you're,
2: not, you're, oh, you're we're not, not, not counting. counting.
1: We're not counting. Then, Oh my
2: wife's calling me from her podcast. This would oh no, never <laughs> <wrong.
1: laughs> twenty eighteen. That's so meta. <laughs> I did I did, uh, <laughs> this something said? And then uh, uh, bad education. Bad education. Yeah,
2: you know, you know, that's if you do, grade. if you do eleven, that's fine. No one's going to. Um...
1: So, um, okay, so space movies, and I'm surprised that this category is so. I didn't have that many titles.
2: Oh, so okay, space.
1: Yeah, there's some. Um, there's some <laughs> big names, obviously, in here. But again, if I'm going to go for ones that fewer people have seen, obviously, you've got listeners that have seen all these they've seen it yeah. but um god this is a tough one okay i don't i mean this is a tough one i want to tell you these two movies i don't know which one to talk about both. sunshine or solaris
2: oh wow okay i don't know joe well
3: can you do solaris in russian
1: <laughs> i know that's the one i'm talking about the um yeah let's talk about, I mean, so you talk about it in russian oh yeah no those <laughs> <laughs>
2: You, you yeah. can do both. It's not, there are no rules. It's not uh, like de, the FCC is going to shut us de, 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 de. down. <laughs> um. we've, somehow we've got him intimidated. Solaris
1: is an, a perfect example of a movie that I love. That's bo- I do not deny that it is a, a boring movie, and I love it. Boring is not, boring should not mean, oh, you don't watch this, it's bad. Boring is great. <laughs> Let's get into this boring movie because then it dawns on you how interesting it is by the end, sure, and even you know, from the beginning. And it's beautiful, it's boring in a way that's like you can get lost in it. And it's a, it's um, I think I saw that not long ago for maybe I mean, 10 years ago. I saw it for the first time. Uh, I had a good cable package maybe, and that's when I saw Solaris. I don't well, think I've seen great it. in it, I think. Who?
2: I'm making that was a terrible joke. Was a I said, joke. I said Clooney
1: is great oh, in it. George Clooney. Yeah. I would love to see him dropped into the Soviet version of No the, the re-
2: movie. they did remake it with him.
1: I know. Yeah, I, know. I have not yeah, seen no the remake. Um <clears throat> I uh I'm fascinated by what he was uh, Tarkovsky was able to get away with uh with no resources and I'm I've wondered I've wondered sometimes like how did they, how did they get cameras? <laughs> How did, did they make their, was there like Soviet cameras that they made? Yeah,
2: the state gave them they, to them. Or the yeah. state
1: bought them from Italy or something. Right. Uh, you, I always wonder that. Um, it's uh, it's black and white, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, if Yeah, okay. And um, the way they render some of these special effects and then having learned later on that he didn't have the money to show a long journey through space. So he makes up for it with the, where that scene would have gone with the pacing and the timing of the story. He has the guy driving through Moscow. And then you're, and then you're at one point you're watching it and you're like, what is this? What is, what is this? It's so trippy. This weird, silent drive through the freeways of Moscow. And then you're like, Oh, he didn't have money for (laughs) For sending a guy to this other planet. Uh, so there's like a a metaphor within the movie for what's happening in the movie.
2: How how were those? I, I should know. I feel like maybe I've, how were those films financed? Were they?
1: Is
3: Russian. Right. No, so
2: is the state.
3: <laughs> Forced labor. Is w- vodka
1: money <laughs>
2: Dolling out a few a few sh- uh, rubles for them? Yes.
1: Here, large grand here. shipments. Yeah. <laughs> in exchange for uh, reels of film. <laughs> Um, I
2: know less about the Soviet uh, film industry than, than I should, I guess. I know, then that's
1: something that I that's it's a little something passe, that, actually. We well, to yeah, it's, it's... Uh, yeah, <laughs> good thing they got rescued, and yeah. I think that's one of the things that what has been available on Filmstruck um, is Slayers. I think I saw it there in Stalker. Yeah, um, and so uh, uh, I, that's I. It's 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 scary in a way that's not jumpy at all. When it dawns on you the nightmare scenario that is taking place in the science fiction story, and then later it dawns on you the uh, almost theological um, um, point he's making about the, the reality that we live in, um, and it's sort of a' it's sort of painting a picture of an inescapable night an inescapable nightmare, but it's done without any demons jumping out from shadows or anything and so by the end of it you're like, my god, this nightmare world is beautiful and can ah and it's, <laughs> it's kind of terrifying it's terrifying it's terrifying it's a in a way it's just a summary of um Um, an idea that comes to a lot of people in hallucinogenic states where there's a there's a semi-consciousness to the world we live in that the earth the Gaia theory that the earth might be a living thing that bubbles up people and other animals and creatures but um, you know he does it by talking about a distant planet in space but you're like oh maybe it doesn't have our best interests in mind you know maybe it's (laughs) either against us or, it, or if not malevolent, maybe it's blindly trying to do something good, but it just is uh, inescapably painful in a way that the great, the great consciousness did not intend.
2: Or or what's the, the Mark Twain line about if there's a God, he's a, he's a malign thug.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, yeah, I think um, I would have liked if only Mark Twain could have seen Solaris. Hey, <laughs> He might have he might have written a a cutting uh, pan of it like he did uh, <laughs> the Fenimore Cooper Fenimore Cooper yes. the uh, Last of the Mohicans
2: <laughs> still still the greatest piece of bad uh, a negative criticism I think I've ever
1: uh, uh, yes it's it's a brilliant takedown Mark Twain I hate to I hate to give I hate to put it this way but he would have been a, a great troll
2: yeah <laughs> <laughs> you would have, although I am I'm actually friends with um. We talk about, I don't know, is this, we, we don't bag on movies here, but I'm I'm friends with a Turkish critic named Ali Arakan because I wrote probably the only fan mail I've ever written to a film critic in my life. Now, one guy panned History of Violence and I thought he got some stuff right and I sent him a thank you, which very much confused him. And uh, But Ali wrote this amazing piece on, I think it was the fourth Pirates of the Caribbean film, and it was just one of the most glorious things I've ever read. One of the lines in the middle, the one that just won me over is when did art become the enemy? <laughs> <laughs> and the last line of a very serious, a serious critic over there. Um, the last line of the review, I'll we'll get killed for this. The last line of the review was, if you like this movie, you're a cunt. And I thought I need to be friends with this guy. <laughs> and, and we're uh, now friends.
1: I don't know if you know, if you know Drew Droege. Uh he's a comedian. He's very, very funny. He's an old friend of mine. And he's, um, he's sort of a staple of the, a gay comedy scene in LA and New York. He does a lot of drag characters and he's a storyteller. He's also a writer and he's someone assigned him at just because they knew it would be hilariously bitchy, but he someone assigned him to write a review of 50 shades of gray. Oh. And it's really fun to read <laughs> if you can find it, because I think, I think the first line is this movie is made by people who don't know people. <laughs>
2: Something like that. Fantastic.
1: But yeah, Drew Drogi. yeah, he's... Uh, he's We'd
2: have somebody come on and talk about their 10 favorite bad reviews. <laughs> um, you have another space movie.
1: Um, Sunshine. Our sun is dying. Mankind faces extinction.
0: 16 months ago, I, Robert Kappa, and a crew of seven left Earth frozen in a solar winter. Our mission... Reignite the sun before it's too late. Welcome to Icarus 2. That
1: was my other one. Uh, Sunshine, Danny Boyle. Um, Which
2: is sort of the opposite of the end of Solaris, if you will, where you... Oh, there's a you, monster it turns into a just, monster it's movie It's just a monster and this is yeah. a movie
1: that i'm fascinated by and i don't like the ending um, i don't yes, like I'm with you. i don't like the last act i like it up until then yep. and i'm like why did they have to turn this into hellraiser um i like it right up until then and it's it and in fact it's uh, high on my list for someone should remake it in the wait a little while 10 right. 20 years someone should remake it without that ending uh without that ending Because it's so fascinating up until then. Yeah. No,
2: I'm with you. I I think
1: the, you know, it's, and it's, it's a, it's a doomed astronaut story, which I'm a sucker for. Uh, the sun is fading and they have to go. The last hope of humanity is to detonate all of the nuclear material they can muster into reignite the sun so that, uh, so that the solar system doesn't burn out and go cold. And, um, and it's fascinating, you know, it's just it's just fascinating with any doomed astronaut story to see uh you How know, they the best laid that, plans yeah. of astronauts and men. Uh like with the little mistakes that happen. And um, you know, it's in some ways it's like a doomed it's like a doomed sailor story. Um but it's in space and there's so many beautiful, unforgettable shots. Even in the very beginning of the movie, they're headed towards the sun and they get to um they're right they're 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 approaching Merc the orbit of Mercury and they see there's this beautiful scene where the whole crew of the ship comes to the the command room and they see this transit of Mercury across the sun. And I yeah. that scene alone to me is something I think of sometimes. Um i I remember watching that movie on an airplane once and I like rewound it to watch that scene again because it's just what if, I have to I have to take off I take my hat off to the screenwriter for going, this will look good. Yeah. Because a lot of people are like, Well, you know, you're writing something, and you're like, what does the guy say? What does they what do they say? What do they say? How does it forward the plot? And you're like, doesn't really necessarily forward the plot at all. It's just a beautiful shot of Mercury crossing the sun. And um I don't know how they did it. I don't want to know. No, I mean, God, no In God, my no, mind, no. they've sent a spaceship out there sure. and they filmed Mercury.
2: I think it was, that was Alex Garland,
1: I think, who worked that. Was that the first thing they did together? Yeah.
2: Um, okay. Yeah, no, I'm with you. And, and weirdly, as you said that earlier, I'm not I'm not even being funny. I feel the exact same way about Titanic.
1: You're with like, the ending?
2: Yeah, once the iceberg shows up, I lose interest in that movie. Uh. <laughs> I just, I like its portrait of life on this ocean liner. It's just, it's so fascinating. And then it just Probably turns into a,
1: the, the the the, pro- the problem with titanic which is also probably something endearing about it I, I did i actually saw it accidentally in a hotel i sometimes i watch movies in hotel rooms before i have shows at night you know so if so i don't feel like doing anything if it's bad weather you know right. I just watch and i think titanic was on so i watched most of the movie and and you know and then i start tweeting funny things about titanic or whatever but but uh but i rem- it, i it, something that it makes it an artifact of the late 1990s is no one acted like that back in 1912. But here's
2: the thing. Here's the thing. I will, I will, I don't want to, but, but a lot of the stuff that got called out for being um, uh, anachronistic in the film turns out to be stuff that wasn't Cameron is just a psychotic researcher. So there were, there were one or two lines that people really give a shit for. And he actually turns out people did talk. I can't defend every line. I don't know, but, 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 apparently a lot of what's in that film that threw people out of it turns out to be historically accurate, but because our movie senses, they didn't behave that way. Like shooting the bird and things like that. Um, it throws you out, but, uh, uh, which is
1: always that. All I care about is did the people fall off and hit the propeller on the way down? Yes. (laughs) That's hard. (laughs) Yes. When they go bonk, but I I, um, want to see him in the library with like microfilm. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> testimony from old people
2: <laughs> i mean i feel weird defending you know a movie that made three trillion
1: dollars that a lot of it i'm like yeah, yeah,
2: yeah but but um yeah that was my I can't remember the conversation i had but it was um uh shocking how much of the stuff that people people griped about turned out to be accurate
1: um so you're the,
2: wrong james you're well, wrong
1: the <laughs> Actually, Sunshine is very accurate. Sunshine is very historical compared to compared (laughs) to what really happened with the voyage to the sun. (laughs) Oh, and another another thing that's so okay. There's a couple other things about Sunshine worth mentioning. It correctly. It's a very diverse movie in in a way that um, uh, obviously we're not in the future, so I can't say. But presumably, in the future depicted in this, we've avoided a nuclear apocalypse. Um, And there's um. There, it's a it's a multinational crew, primarily made up of uh, um, American and Chinese. It's like a half Chinese crew in the movie, and they, they they don't really lay on thick, but it's there where you're like, oh, okay, this is the two future powers right. that are cooperating to send this spaceship to the. Sun. I, I
2: feel like then, especially with Danny Boyle, that, that would be intentional as opposed to. Have you seen The Meg? No. <laughs> Has anyone here seen the Meg? Am I alone and see I Jason did. Statham punches a giant shark? He didn't... Uh, no, I um, But I, I was not prepared because, of course, most of the financing in that film is Chinese. How any character, that, anybody who isn't Jason Statham, essentially, in that film um, is Chinese, to the point that the shark is threatening a giant Chinese beach. And well, you realize... I
3: think you better get used to that. Yeah, no, that's, that's where all mean, the actually, they're coming They're not even from. hiding the fact that we're <laughs>
2: making movies primarily for China now. It's just it's a Chinese film with Jason Statham. Uh mm-hmm.
1: that was something very interesting about Arrival. Arrival is um is a it's a a call to action. It's mm-hmm. a it's a request that we not fight each other. Yes. And it's a it's a very obvious it's a very obvious allegory for um the west and the east not understanding each other. And so it's so funny that you have to have um you have to have an alien story to make that clear right <laughs> <laughs> but also you know obviously uh it, the the it it they don't hide that message where there's about to be a uh, there's about to be conflict between the Russian, yeah the, well the no and, and in, in that
2: film it's all it's all thoughtful in in the meg it's simply that it's basically a chinese movie actually arrival mm-hmm. is
1: something i'm glad i didn't think of it until now because i would have gone on my list i love that movie <laughs> I love how inventive, how inventive! Yes. You think of these creatures, which you can think of when you really let your mind go. You can think of creatures that aren't tied to time the same way we are. Um, that uh, if not they've if not having mastered the fourth dimension, you know they engage with it in a different way than we do. What a fascinating way to think, yeah. and usually ideas like that are stuck in books. It's yeah, very nice to see that's it. That's
3: real science fiction. That's yeah, a, it's nice to see it come out. Yeah. Yeah.
1: You know, yeah, movies movies tend to sort of
3: shy away from that
1: kind. Yeah,
2: of thing. or they do very simple versions yeah. of it.
1: I this is a this is a, a tangent, but uh, I don't know if you've read the uh the Three-Body Problem trilogy, uh, any of those books. The Chinese science fiction story from uh not long ago, 4 years ago maybe 5 or unless Oh, that, maybe that's when the English translations got here. It might be also, a little older. Also, audio, audiobooks, which is where, how I discovered it. You, you know yeah. them? Yeah. Uh, so they've, there's, they've been supposed to have been making it as this big blockbuster trilogy in China, but it's missed its release date by a year or two now, and so mm-hmm. nobody knows what's happening. But fascinating story about first contact with aliens hmm. that uh, originates in communist China almost by accident. Uh, that the there's and I don't want to give away things, but no, there's like a, a mechanism for accidentally contacting aliens, and then uh, it, it, and it's done. You know, usually alien stories are like they come to us suddenly, or uh, we go and find them somewhere else. This one is sort of like the long slog of like we know they're out there, and it's going to take three hundred years for their, <laughs> the for contact to happen because they're way out there. So um, what
2: what happens in between? That's the whole story the trilogy <laughs> is the fascination of what happens to Earth, knowing oh, really? that there's Seriously? this
1: alien civilization out there that
2: that
3: we're not going to live to see.
1: That, but but it tracks they, our they, our descendants, right? Stuff. Oh, that's it, fascinating. It, it, it's, it's a it's a it's, large timescale. scale. it's of, it's, the it's, book. it's pretty uh, pretty impressive. And it's full of spoilers. It's hard to talk about. Okay. But that, that's one that I'm looking forward to. You know, sometimes you're really looking forward to some movie. That's, that's top of my list. So... Um, See, that's what I'm
2: resisting I was just talking to Don earlier I'm resisting to write it down because I did that the other day and then I realized oh shit I'm actually going to listen to this conversation again so <laughs> I don't need to write you're down the You're, re- <laughs> you,
1: you're the only one you write it down you you write it upon listening
2: no normally what I would do is I, if you and I were just having a chat I would go oh I'll write that down ah. and remember it and now I realize I don't have to because I actually listen to these again but these, oh, things, do, these things
3: are hardwired into his brain three body problems oh,
2: we we in mm-hmm. trailers Shishin uh, yeah. Lu. is that the
3: is that how I say the author's name that that's better than Hooflung flung poo. I, I hope so.
2: We're gonna cut in clips. <laughs> of, oh, oh, oh. We'll cut in clips of trailers and and we'll we'll cut out all my embarrassing forgetting of names and we'll, and, and the we'll fact that he start, and
3: the fact that he starts every episode with ah. Uh, um,
1: <laughs> I'm working on it. Uh, um. See. <laughs> He's channeling. It's him. contagious. You're right. I don't know where. I don't know how many movies we've got. It, it, doesn't, it, it doesn't matter. This is a bucket. Yeah, he starts going. to just fade. Now I'm gonna that. get to my sixty movie list.
2: <laughs> Which other bucket? Do you want me to give you here?
1: Give well, you know what? This one just jumped out at me, and this is probably. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm gonna say two more movies that are sort of gay adjacent. Um, okay. One of them is Kaboom by Gregoraki. Yeah,
3: you know, I've been having weird dreams lately.
0: So vivid and real.
2: Today's the day, my 19th birthday.
3: My morning starts
2: out like any other.
0: Well, I'm stressed about this exam I have on Monday, and I was thinking I could use a really good orgasm. Got this kind of weird thing. We do it with guys and girls, right? But you randomly sometimes stick it in a girl does not mean anything beyond you need to monitor your drinking. I had a really freaky dream last night. They're coming, they're coming again! <laughs> Have
3: we met
2: before? I have special talents.
3: I'm not hallucinating now. We think
2: that
0: something really freaky is going on. Uh,
2: oh, I've, I've not. I've seen some of his stuff. I, I don't. Know I completely.
1: saw that at the new art. Maybe when it came out.
2: I feel like all his films, yeah, premiere there. <laughs> um,
1: what a wacky, what a wacky story. What a crazy story. It's this sort of like it's a college students. It's a bisexual um, thriller that's hilarious that ends with this crazy plot that endangers the future of humanity. And, and you know, so it's like Greg Araki. It's the kind of thing where it's like your life has great importance for the the existence. And I, I don't know if this is his intention, but I've seen this before, maybe in some other movies of his where it's like... Uh, the story of you, you're a very important person, whether you know it or not. And so, this story echoes in ways that right. you don't know about. And so,
2: I don't is it one of his later ones or is it 2011?
1: Yeah, oh, really? Think. Okay. A couple years ago. Uh, okay. 2011, 2011, and it's another, it's a very sexy, I mean, it's a very sexy, gay friendly um, movie. And then it, the, the main character is bi, which you don't, you don't see enough of until I'm going to bring up another one here in a second. But, uh, but you know I I probably see a lot more queer cinema than most people but not as much as a lot of other queer people in Los Angeles. <laughs> I'm somewhere in the middle, so I see the I see the I see the ones that I think are going to be the most interesting and it's got elements of science fiction and it's and it it's an example of being able to tell a story that that Tr- that it's not It's not very expensively done. I mean, he might listen to this and go, what are you talking about? It was my fourth personal fortune that went into it. But it doesn't, It. it there, there's not a lot of um, mind-blowing special effects, but it has the um, implications. There's a lot of bang for the buck. Um, and I admire movies like that where you're like, oh, you could have made this for a modest budget with just some <laughs> investors or something, and it looks great. And it's a story that isn't stuck. It's not like you know a family stuck in a house or something. It, it, it has an impact that's sort of like worldwide. And uh, there's conspiracy elements. And um, I'm a big fan of I'm a big fan of that movie. And I I, I I I've seen that not as many as some of my other favorite movies. I think I've seen it three times. Usually to be, usually with some boyfriend or some date, like, hey, let's watch this. Because I
2: don't know, I like him. I'm not. I'm. I'm. I'd be writing it down if I hadn't figured
1: that. out. Kaboom! <laughs> Kaboom! I loved it then, and I love it now. And you know what else I'll say, in the vein of my um, bisexual hero movies, Alexander by Oliver Stone. I love it, and I know people hate it. I fucking love it. I've known many great men in my life.
0: Only one Colossus. A king isn't born, he's made. What would you do if you ever reached the end of the world? Never will there be an Alexander like you, Alexander the Great. Conquer your fear! And I promise you'll conquer death. The gods have a way of punishing such pride. No man or woman can to be too powerful or too beautiful without disaster for He You never lusted for war, Alexander, <laughs> or enjoyed it so. How dare you? Alexander, be reasonable! You are a name living forever in history.
1: Where else do you get... Is it just see? the hair? Huh? Is it just the hair? I is it? It? <laughs> I it's the sexiest... It's like it's like, oh, what if Braveheart was sexy and d- less dumb? <laughs> um it's like it's like Braveheart, they push the gay guy out the window. In Alexander, the gay guy is the Braveheart guy. Yes, yes. Um <laughs> but I love on. it. I think it, was, I think it was I think it was I think it was um unfairly cut and hidden and
3: aren't there a couple of versions
1: of that? There's of a yeah, bunch of versions the... of it. Uh think... does it ever get I saw it gets TV play sometimes. No,
3: but
2: like, isn't there? There is a, a, quote, Stone a quote, cut.
1: director's cut. Yes, yeah. and I think that's probably the best one. That's okay. the one that doesn't that's... cut out um, a lot of uh, stuff that a studio is terrified of putting in a gay movie. There's a lot more sex in the director's mm-hmm. cut, and you, it's amazing because you don't think of Oliver Stone as someone who is queer cinema.
2: Oh well, okay. Yeah, I thought you meant as
1: yeah, a okay. sexual okay.
2: being. Maybe. But
1: yeah. <laughs> I personally don't think of Oliver Stone the man as a sexual creature. He's not not gay to my knowledge. No, uh, no, but, but most Oliver bosses,
2: Stone like, having to cut out, you know, over the top sex scenes is not anything
1: that's That's true. But that's he's awesome. also, you know, but a lot of people, a lot of people given a story with someone who is gay or bisexual, they downplay it and it really drives people nuts. Um there's a major motion picture out right now where that's one of the <laughs> that's one of the main critiques. Oliver Stone had Oliver Stone from pure honesty as a filmmaker yeah. steers into, no, I'm going to make, I'm going to make, uh, I'm going to make this movie where Alexander has a couple of Queens. There's a yeah. couple of girls he's having married to throughout his, you know, thousands of miles, uh, empire. Uh, and also he's got three or four boyfriends along the way. There's the one he grew up with. And then there's a couple more that he gets along the way. And one of them is, um, there's no polite way to say this. Uh, sex slave <laughs> they and had them you don't see and you can see why people like that kind of thing cut out of movies because <laughs> we're like we're supposed to cheer for alexander the great and you know they make it so like the 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 the, the, the guy that's his um that's his um sex slave is uh really he's liberated in the movie uh. and so he's enjoys that he has this alexander the great who wouldn't want to if you're, if you're, you're, you you you're grow up and they don't treat you well, and back then Alexander the Great comes in and goes, "You're free," and you go, "Well, if, well, don't worry about it. I'll take care of you." And so there's a lot of massage scenes that didn't make the theatrical cut that are in the <laughs> that are in the director's.
2: I, that cut. actually sounds in character for him. I mean, he he I think revels in kind of you know putting things in your face that other people might be afraid to show you. Yeah, and I salute and, and his honesty. And I terribly because wrong sometimes, but it's he sometimes, doesn't yeah. seem,
1: he. you know, there's a lot of directors that would feel uncomfortable with that and be like, well, we don't know to put that in. And he, I mean, Alexander, by all accounts, was a, yeah. a, a very sexual person in the way that we don't think of sex these days. They didn't have defined sexualities like we do now. It, it wasn't, you weren't a straight or gay person back then. Right. If you were a king, you had lots of lovers.
0: Yeah. And, um, you?
1: and Alexander is obviously what we would consider, a uh, perhaps, a, a bloody war criminal, but also uh, he's the hero of the story. And so it's, it's fascinating to, um, to watch a, as faithful a documentary as we can have now of pro- one of the greatest figures in all of history. Who um who did what was impossible and then you know suddenly died at the top?
2: That that is one I think about every now and then, going back to and and have you seen the director's cut? Yeah. Joe? And um, it, uh, I just I don't, like like the one that I got really burned on is the um the Ridley Scott sword and said, the um Gladiator? No, no. The oh my God, the one Prometheus. the one with no no. Yeah. yeah, if you're going to host a show about movies, you should be able to remember their names. The one with uh, Oliver, what's his name, from The Hobbit. Uh, Kingdom of Heaven, come on.
1: Kingdom of Heaven, is you that know, a is that co- is that Columbus? not a memorable movie. Is no, a- but, but there's, there are people
2: who swear by the director's cut that it is just night and day. You have I, to see it, I will and say, I fell for that.
1: Have you seen it yet, the director's <laughs> yeah. cut? Oh, that's the only one I saw. Oh, so it's worth it? You liked it? No, okay, he didn't, he didn't like it. Like it. No, I so thought that's why there I'm was some to... memorable stuff in there. Yeah, there's the guy who played Orson Welles, and he played Robert the Bruce. Uh, oh yeah, 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 that guy uh, yeah. plays one of the Crusader kings. Mm-hmm. I-, I remember thinking, like, you know, and there's a, the guy who plays Saladin is a great actor. I remember mm-hmm. some great performances. I didn't hate it, but also it's. You know, it's it's not on my list of sixty films yes. that
2: I'm Yeah, so we today. shouldn't be talking about it. I'm just but I think that movie probably scared me away from Alexander in there's some way. A,
1: scene, there's a, scene, a long version. There's a scene of Alexander with Hephaestion. Oh, by the way, it's faithful to a lot of what we know about Alexander. Um I've read not all, but some of Plato's account No, not um not Plato, um um Pliny. But Ptolemy. Oh, Tol- oh. Ptolemy was the original Ptolemy was one of Alexander's generals who got Egypt when they split up the empire. And so most of what we know about Alexander, we know a lot from other people's accounts around the world, but one of the best written accounts is Ptolemy because he wrote it at the end of his life and he was an eyewitness. So uh, uh, Oliver Stone's movie is very faithful to Ptolemy's account. Eyewitness of Alexander the Great down to, there's a moment when Alexander kills one of his um, childhood friends in a drunken, Uh, arguments in the middle of Persia or they're arguing over, you know, um, the spoils of war and stuff. And there's, um, there's a, there's a great famous scene where um, uh, the Persian King flees the field of battle. And this is true. As far as we know, his mother-in-law was captured. He left without taking his mother-in-law with him. So the, the queen mother of the Persian empire is suddenly captured by Alexander and so she's a high-ranking aristocrat. And she first is brought into the, the king's tent, and Hephaestion is there, his, um, his lifelong lover, companion. And she thinks it's Alexander because he's tall, he's strong, he looks like a king. She bows to him, great King Alexander. And then Alexander walks uh, around, around the corner and goes, oh, actually, I'm Alexander. Uh, but it is well that you should bow to Hephaestion for everything I have is his as well. And so that was one of the one of one of history's like um greatest moments of two men loving each other and being like, No, this is we're we're not, you know, we are not we're married, bros. but we're bros. We're yeah. We're <laughs> bros and then some. We're, <laughs> yeah. bro, we're bros plus benefits. <laughs> but yeah, there's these great, Oliver Stone did a great job with that movie. I think it's um it's it's faithful in many ways to the history that's known. Oh god damn it. Yeah. You don't have to watch any movies. Plus, I no, mean, no, I'm always,
2: have... I'm always open to, re- especially the ones that are plus know, there's war elephants,
1: and it's them. really hard to shoot war elephants. I mean, the SAG after rules when you have yeah. war elephants. <laughs> I remember loving the elephants. Um, but yeah, I saw the the, the long cut of that. Um, I. Oddly enough, seen it not never seen it in the theater. I watch it late at night. Sometimes when I, I've seen it maybe once a year. I watch it in the winter time when there's nothing going on between Christmas and New Year's. Good movie, but it's hard to get the volume right to not piss off the downstairs. <laughs> um, I will say another in the vein of war movies. Um, Tough one. We're in the war bucket now. We're in the war bucket now. I'll say it. Say it. Henry V.
0: It was a time of courtiers and kings. It was the turning point for the English throne. May I, with right and conscience, make this claim. It was one of history's greatest adventures, led by a soldier who wouldn't retreat. Once more into the breach, there, friends! Once more! A lover who wouldn't give up.
1: Is it possible that I should love the enemy of France? But in loving me, you should love the friend of France. It's a, it's a family great. favorite of my family. <laughs> really? Yep. <laughs> uh, my, brother, my brother knows it better than I do. It's probably, in my opinion, the best Shakespeare movie that I've ever seen. Um, and there's a older Henry V, you know, yeah. that from World right after World War II. That's very of its time, but this one's from 1990, I think. Uh yeah, it was Brona's
2: first film. It was what Brona's first film. I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, um, put him on the map. Or... Beautiful mud spattered yeah. um, uh, Shakespeare p- play put out into the mud of of uh, medieval warfare, ugly French mud. And there's <laughs> funny moments, obviously. And they, I think they, I think they bring in some Falstaff moments for some other Shakespeare plays that are like flashbacks to mm-hmm. show you. Cause Falstaff was a big part of those move those plays. Mm-hmm. But, um, um, He's only in flashbacks in the movie, um, and quotable, followable to a modern audience, to yeah. a modern ear, yeah. very difficult to do with a Shakespeare movie, and he did it brilliantly by putting it out in the mud and the and the there's you know dead horses and what a great when you see um, when you see a lot of Shakespeare you know they, there's people have to go through backflips and jump through hoops to be like how can we possibly make this understood? Well, the the See, one the, one way that works is to set it where it was intended to be set, and um, get good actors.
2: Well, the the one one actually just this, this sort of contradicts that a little bit. But the one that always cracked me up was, um, you know, Pacino did a documentary about that problem. What was that called? Was it- Show Finding Richard.
1: I would love to see that. Um, about just in general it was about putting
2: on. He was putting on a production of Richard the Third, and he made a documentary about how hard it is to translate it to a modern audience. It came out, I think almost to the day, the same time, that the Ian McKellen, Richard III came out, which is my favorite Shakespeare, which isn't I've, set in that I've time. I've
1: seen that.
0: And
2: but, I, which is a movie that set in like the 1800s out. or the... No, no, it's set in an alternate fascist German- or England yes, of the 30s. Yes, I have seen
1: that, and it was very good. And
2: it's wonderful, and not for a moment are you confused, so it's funny to see that and then see... You know, Pacino making this movie about how difficult it is to make Richard comprehensible. For I his saw
1: audiences. Pacino's Merchant of Venice. Uh, oh, the movie! Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah with <laughs> it's Lynn Collins. So funny! It's so funny to see uh, he plays uh, Shylock. Yeah. I believe it's it's a uh, one of Shakespeare's uh, probably the most problematic Shakespeare play. Sure. Yeah. Um, but we still keep putting it up because it's <laughs> Shakespeare, and yeah. it was so funny to see Pacino.
0: Doing the famous speech, hath not a Jew eyes? <laughs> <laughs> if 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 you prick me, do I not bleed? <laughs>
1: I'm doing a little bit too much. Uh, mm. But I love Kenneth Branagh's Henry V. Yeah. I love um, I love the score, the ending after the battle. I think there's just two lines or something in the Shakespeare play where they sing. Um, a famous uh, Catholic song. It might be. It might be a Crusader song. I don't know. If uh, I'm a little ignorant on that, but it's um, "No Novus Ontede, an, uh to God the Glory." And it's just you know, in the play, it's just like there's the two lines, but right. then they make this epic song at song. the end of the battle of Agincourt, which is one of the um, one of the. Uh, biggest upsets in the history of European warfare, at least where um they were outnumbered, many factors by many factors. The British were outnumbered. The English, I should say, back right. then, the English were outnumbered by the French greatly, and they won because they had um um a revolutionary weapon. They had, I believe, they had longbows. Ah. Um, and so they were they were able to. Uh, fight beyond their numbers basically but it was the first time that that had been proven in battle so it was it's this it's this uh, and they suffered like you know the french suffered thousands of casualties and the british suffered like 90 or something so it's considered by some to be this miraculous and then of course you know a few years later the, the everything that they won was reversed with the joan with joan of arc yeah it, 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 when you really look at the historical context, you're like, any great moment where you, the you your guys win, wait 20 years, 50 yeah, give, years, give 100, 100 years, it then time. it gets reversed. Nothing ever lasts. A victory never lasts, and a defeat never lasts. Really.
2: And don't bring a short bow to a long bow fight.
1: <laughs> okay, that's the pull quote. Um... What's yeah. your
2: What's your next bucket? Give us another bucket here. What are we? Uh,
1: uh, yeah, and you know, the, there's the, and I I know the back, famous Crispin's Day speech from that play. Oh, really? From Kenneth Branagh's version of it, and it's I mean, I, I mean, feel I, free. I probably don't remember at that no at this point, but like, uh, um,
0: oh God damn it! Uh, Shout, <laughs> hold their manhoods cheap, and
1: it it's just Barry Kenneth Branagh. <laughs>
3: What a classy Weston. episode. You what? What a classy episode.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh, I got Shakespeare. What's the, Let me see if there's any really dirty Bathos movies I can give you. <laughs> I don't know how many we're at. It doesn't matter.
2: It doesn't matter. Oh, you're back to that ringtone. Uh, sorry. We, uh, Joe takes phone calls during the show.
3: No, sorry. It's the wrong number.
1: <laughs> uh, I'll say Snowpiercer.
2: This
0: chaos, 1,000 people in an iron box. 18 years I've hated the train. 18 years I've waited for this moment. This is the world.
3: The
1: train saved humanity.
0: The engine lasts forever. The population must always be kept in balance.
1: I thought uh, like Elysium, was a very good metaphor for the way um, capitalism functions worldwide. Um, and it's just, but Elysium was maybe not quite a success as a storytelling movie. As a, it, it, I loved Elysium and I know it got panned, but uh, I think Snowpiercer does an even better job with the metaphor, with the storytelling, and just what a great movie. But, but a, by
2: almost, but by being afraid to be pure metaphor almost because it's um I, I have a small I got, I got approached about doing that one and um
1: what you uh, were they to direct
2: turned, no, no no to write to write to write uh-huh. and um uh i i had read the comics and and really enjoyed them but i, felt, I
1: haven't read the comics.
2: but i was not um and it, it a limitation of mine seeing the film i i felt like i didn't know how to sell the reality of the metaphor—it was so completely just. And there's so many points where I'm just going, but this doesn't make any. People wouldn't. You couldn't. Great metaphor, but does it work as? And somehow they managed to as absurd. And I'm saying this with love because I love the film. It's such an insane concept to try to actually
1: show and embody, and yet it. it works. It, it works. Uh, I don't know who directed it. Do you? Um.
2: Um. I want to say Bong Bong Su Hong. Bong Su Hong.
1: Bang Su yeah. Hong. It reminds me of Terry Gilliam in a way yeah. of, yep. of let's take this thing and make it deliberately not realistic yeah. to yeah. Uh, f- focus in with laser focus on what the reality is. Yeah, and I, guess my,
2: the, I couldn't make that leap as a writer. I can make it as an audience if you right. do it right and they did it right.
1: I just could not. Um, it, was, it was so well done. I've only seen it once. I... I bought it, but I haven't haven't watched it at home. I should. Um, It's funny. Um, Tilda Swinton as a cartoonish villain. Yeah. uh, Very funny. Um, It's funny even in... in, uh, Am I right that Michael Palin is in the beginning of it? Uh, or am I thinking of some other actor? Is Palin in the beginning, maybe no, he's not. No, no, um, another British actor that's a famous legend. Uh, oh no, John Hurt. It's John Hurt. Yeah, it's one of his last pictures. Then, yeah. Huh? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, And uh, I'm sorry, I convinced, I confused Michael Palin and John Hurt. Um, it often happens. <laughs> um, it, it, even in the, it's 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 showing a, a nightmare like a beyond a dystopia sure, where the yeah. only people left in the world are stuck on this high speed train. Um, and the world has turned to snow. And it's very interesting that the way we struggle with our looming global warming catastrophe is to depict a world that's gone too cold, because that's the only way we can wrestle <laughs> with the idea. I guess, um, 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 what's it called? Sunshine also deals with a future that's too cold. Yeah. And Snowpiercer does as well. We only still understand...
2: Even, even when we acknowledge reality, we're in
1: denial. Well, if if I guess people think you're preaching too much or it's right. too on the nose if you're talking about global warming and maybe maybe it's harder to make those stories. I don't know, but uh, also um, Ed Harris. Uh, I love, I love, I love a I love a sympathetic bad guy. I love a bad guy that downplays what a bad guy he is, and I love it. When they have a scene in the movie where the bad guy lets you in on the bad guy logic. <laughs> I I and it, when it's done well. And it's done so well in that movie with like like again like larger than life levels of metaphor and nightmare of uh, for how, how how the most fortunate ruling elites treat the rest of the people on the train. Yeah. Um if you think of the train as human society. I hadn't noticed that. What? <laughs> no, I it's a, it is it is so heavy-handed. That I, I, but it, it, it works. And yeah, I exactly. remember I tweeted exactly. something about it where I, I this was my joke about Snowpiercer where I was like, "Uh, I love Snowpiercer, but shouldn't you have to make some kind of like exaggeration if you're going to make <laughs> yeah, a, exactly. if you're going to make a movie about the way the world works?" Yeah. Because the funny thing is to imagine that it is so exaggerated, but God damn it, it's very accurate.
2: It's, yeah, exactly. I think if they toned it down, you'd be more annoyed by and it. And
1: again, I think it's a, another, um, I guess that's a, a Korean Scandinavian movie it's, 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 it's with some American money. It's
3: a polyglot movie. It is yeah. Definitely a, yeah.
1: Another interesting example. Of oh, and a, Harvey um, was involved. Oh, great. Yeah. The yeah. Rabbit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Um, we can't see we can't see either of them anymore. So, has anybody done a horrible uh, a horrible uh, Harvey the Rabbit? uh, I wonder if that's been done or if if there's an audience that would get it. Oh, you mean uh, a the imaginary rabbit like a horror version? You mean a remake? Oh, you mean but (laughs) but it's Harvey Weinstein. And it's so, it, so it's the shadow it's the shadow of the imaginary rabbit, but it's going like, Will you do me this favor? Yeah. <laughs> will you please do me this favor? For me, please, will you do this please? Please? <laughs> please. Come over next to this
2: plant.
0: Please come up to my come
1: hotel. To this plant. I trust believe me, I'm real. First of all, I'm real. <laughs> 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 um, and I can get you work. I didn't know he was involved. That's too bad. I hope he doesn't get any of the money from it. I, he
2: even. somehow was involved in
1: in he's screwing kind of up all the, those lawyers, screwing he's up still, the
2: distribution of it. I think yeah.
1: he's involved in a lot of great movies. The, trouble with, the, the
3: trouble with him and distribution is that he, once he buys the movie, he decides he wants to change it.
2: Yeah, and I think that was with, and they decided not to change the film, so he kind of killed the distribution. Is that yeah.
1: Right? Oh, there was a fight. We're not going to change this or that.
2: Yeah, because it was hard to. Fight. It well, he never he, he never movie. met a movie
3: he didn't want to cut what's that he never met a movie he didn't want to
1: cut i got it yeah. but um i i i i loved it so much it's an international film it's a it's it's diverse in a great way yeah. the fight scenes are brutal in the best ways yeah. like it works as a great martial arts movie um and it's just once you're on board the train it's what a great story yeah what a great story and i think it's it it you could teach people how to make movies by watching that. And that's actually, that's a good way to think of things. I think, I, I think uh, sometimes I watch a movie and I like it so much and I'm like, they should teach that to the guys that are more successful filmmakers. <laughs> oh, well, listen to me lecture rich guys. <laughs> I don't think I don't
2: think any rich guys listen to our show. No.
1: <laughs> how far in are we? And I don't know how many pretty
2: more. pretty far. Got. <laughs> We're pretty far. You want to give us one more bucket and then if uh
1: one more uh well, I don't know whether to say I I and I'm oh the 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 movies I'm skipping over, I'm I'm ashamed of myself. Should right, I have I... a
2: title for this one by the way? It'll be The Many Buckets of James Adomian. <laughs> <laughs>
3: um
1: His bucket list, really. His bucket list. You know what? This is is one. I'll I'll say this uh, maybe. uh, Almost too obvious. I will mention. um, I I mentioned the third man in passing. That's probably my favorite movie. We know it. We love it. Um, uh, It looks like the inside of my dreams. (laughs) and uh, I've, I've memorized most of it and i it reminds me of being drunk at the movies i i commandeered a college screening room one time to show it to Fantastic. me and one friend Fantastic. there's no better movie to watch with a bottle of wine than the third man <laughs> um so that that uh, it's been spoken about a lot so i will leave that and um, i will say two movies that probably are more recent that uh, didn't get the correct attention, I thought. Okay. One of them is very fun and wacky, and the other one's um, dark. Um, Turbo Kid and oh, is that I know? Good time. I saw Turbo Kid. Talk saw, about
2: Turbo it a yeah, It's on my Q list. Uh, it is on my Netflix. I saw it at a Q. Festival. It's Turbo Festival. Turbo Michael, Michael Ironside,
1: right? Turbo Kid. I tried to see it at a festival, South by Southwest, and I missed it. Um, and I, I watched it finally on an airplane. Oh no! I heard the soundtrack on an airplane, and it was it's this. Killer soundtrack that's like uh, Tron, or and it's a deliberate throwback to the kind of um, movie they used to make in the '80s, and it's kind of like a throwback. It's like an '80s fake sci-fi future movie, and they even deliberately set it in the apocalyptic future of 1997. And it's made now. I love that. So I love that. So I love that, and it's it's very tongue-in-cheek, and it's uh, I believe. A very low budget Canadian production, um, and the soundtrack is mind-blowingly good. Uh, Le Matos, I mm-hmm. believe, is the people that the the band or the collective that did the artist that did the the soundtrack, and it's like, uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, oh boy, oh boy. I, I sometimes when I go running, not often enough. That's I listen to that soundtrack. Um, But uh, what a fun movie. And I think of that as an example of the kind of movie that I would make if somebody gave me a Mm. small amount of money. Like uh, uh, um, Michael Ironsides is in it. Uh, What a great turn. He He has an iPad
2: robot stuff on it. Yeah.
1: And um, I didn't. I never thought of him as playing a villain. He. It's so fun to see these guys playing these. What? Kinda... what these kids. Oh, Michael Myers. I realized was I, always a villain. He's oh really? In scanners. He's in scanners. Oh, you're right. That's that's yeah. where
2: that's where yeah he left upon the world was.
1: Uh, um, blows the guy's head up. But you're okay. So I okay. You're right. Okay. So his cruelty was justified in this movie. Yes. <laughs> but it, it's 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 a cruel movie and it's scary. But more than anything, it's funny. And it, it's sort of a funny movie posing as a scary movie, mm-hmm. um, and uh, it, 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 there's there's a, a young kid that sort of introduces a few young actors that uh, I'm, I was happy to learn about for the first time. I don't remember their names because they're still young, um, but uh, what a great uh, what a great festival movie! And I don't think it got a lot of play in theatrical release, no. but it's out there. And it's worth watching because oh, it is me, on Netflix. I know that because it's, it it's in my queue. I know that it's an example of a movie that is worth watching to see what the kind of really fun movie experience that you could make with a very low budget and not just limit yourself to again, I keep saying this people talking in a house. <laughs> That's an example of a low budget movie that I, I don't really I like. I can't, can't wait till
3: you see Sleuth and, and what <laughs> well, it's a big house though. Uh, and what's
1: the dark one? Um, Good Time. Next? You're incredible, do you understand? Yeah. No, I'm serious. If you think I could have done that without you standing next to me being strong? Are you feeling this? Are you feeling because
0: I'm feeling right now? Yeah, I'm cold. you cold? Yeah. Let's get to Virginia, man.
1: A good Time with Robert Pattinson. Yeah. I I absolutely loved it. And actually, both uh, that I saw in Los Villas 3, just like I saw... Um, um, what was the one I did oh Snowpiercer I saw there too ah. so we saw Good Time at the Los Feliz 3 they always do a good job of showing either the three smartest independent films or the three funniest you want to laugh at these ironically films because they know they're in Los Feliz <laughs> um, yeah I, I really enjoyed that it's, I loved Good Time it the gotten, brother the, the what uh, are their names um, the Safties. the Safty Brothers yeah uh, what an unexpected movie yeah. Um, it is, and it takes place in Queens. And I, ha- I I briefly lived in Queens. I have a lot of friends there and stuff. And what a it's like what a great Queens story, uh, but different from the Queen like from the Queens of um, the um, uh, Scorsese movies, you know. For sure, yes. Um, it, it 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 it's very much right now. Uh, there's a look at this New York that's not. Uh, it's this new york of right now that's uh impoverished and desperate and gritty and diverse um uh robert pattinson plays a sociopath um and i've you know it's the greatest it's the greatest film example in recent years of like that's what a sociopath is going to be like when you meet them in your real life (laughs) very very charming yeah yeah um I love
2: the brother too. That performance is incredible.
1: Oh my God. And there's a surprise that I don't want to spoil about the brother that <laughs> it is it, it's absolutely tragic and hilarious and halfway funny. into the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um and it, it pulls some real laughs. And there's tension. And again, I think it's a very low budget movie. I don't I think they're kind yeah. of coy about how much money they got to make it. Um
2: a lot of close ups so i got the sense it was
1: a lot of close ups but the light, the lighting um and i know i know somebody who worked on the uh, g&e crew on the movie but the light the lighting is uh uh the lighting and the color scheme is sort of like it, it's it's beautiful i fell in love with it and the the, the tension the, the the tension and the way they told the story there's an important scene that they filmed from above and, you, and there's no dialogue, and it's at a very important scene, and I you, I would never think to film it, not even a helicopter shot, but just like from the top of a building looking down. And it, it was just inventive in many ways, and I really, I I, I watched the, that with um, uh, someone I was dating at the time, was a filmmaker, and we, we were both, on, from the opening credits, we were on the edge of our seats because it was the soundtrack, and the yeah. the camera work and the acting and the, everything about it yep. was like, oh, this is new. This it looked like I haven't seen a movie like that in a long time where I thought, oh, this is new. People could imitate this way of filmmaking. Yeah, it felt like yeah, it felt like this is like it because it, it was. Uh, I don't want to say it's a dubstep soundtrack, but it's like a post dubstep soundtrack, uh, and it was like um. Shit, this looks yeah. like when they've incorporated disco into cop chases back in the 70s. <laughs> in like 1974, Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. With McHugh and uh, <laughs> McHugh. what's, it, what's, oh, what's the San Francisco movie. Uh, Brannigan. Oh, I'm thinking oh, Bullet. Um, but yeah, Bullet, I guess Bullet, I didn't yes, narrow yes. it down. Yeah. Mm.
2: Uh, that's, I think also, didn't they, um, I had heard that they are the ones behind, I'm sure you have all seen it, that great YouTube uh, thing, somebody cut together of Sam Jackson grilling Kavanaugh.
0: Yeah. You, yes. yeah.
2: It was the Safety
1: brothers. Really? It came, it came yeah. out that it was them. Oh uh, my god. I mean, come on, let's get <laughs> these guys famous. They, <laughs> they, 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 but they I should, also
2: think that was their fifty-eighth movie or something. They're apparently. They, they can, known... they've made a lot of yeah.
1: New York festival movies. Yeah. Like low budget. This was their first breakthrough, but
2: have you seen it Joe, or no? Oh no, good time? No. I I I'd be I interested in hearing It's really, really, really interesting okay. and entertaining. But um excuse me. I can James leave it there, I guess. Yeah, let's. we'll, we'll leave it there. We'll. Um, I yeah.
1: get, And the the movies Go. I'm leaving out are so hilarious for me to look at. Like <laughs> ghost Dog. And
2: oh, Ghost Dog! I love Ghost
1: Dog. I like Ghost Dog. I love Ghost Dog. You know, it. don't, need yeah. to, I, don't need to, I don't need to plug that movie.
2: Ever. Yeah, he's. Oh no, Charmish no, I, I, is so. Any
3: movie with Henry Silva is okay with me. Yeah,
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> I love Patterson. His last one, the one with. Um, um, Planky the other
3: role. guy you can't
2: think of? You know, the guy who plays the bad guy in the new Star Wars movies. Oh. Kylo
1: Ren, um, whatever. Um, <laughs> it's, it's contagious. Now it's that I terrible... can't.
3: Joe. Joe knows it. Just a bunch of old guys the guy from not Girls. being able to think. The guy from
2: Girls.
1: And we're not cheating. Star. We're not looking this up. Okay, yeah, yeah. Not... person. This
3: show is going to
2: keep recording until we... he's the Adam Driver.
1: Thank you. Oh. Thank you. Thank Black
2: you. Um, the What?
3: Black Klansman.
2: No, no, but I'm saying, but the, the so he was um, in the black. Yes, he was in the black lantern. But the Jarmus film he did, Patterson, about the bus driver poet. Okay. Have
0: what you have if, you seen what that? What if evil was good? <laughs> I'm not good enough. Should be Darth Vader.
1: <laughs> what if I didn't have to be? What if we could seduce each other into something in the middle? <laughs> haven't seen the newers. I guess the new one hasn't come out, but that's where I'm guessing it goes. Oh, sorry, I, I, I'm <laughs> guessing that they seduce each other into a neutral ground between I, good and evil. I have this, I see them all I, with no my spoiler, niece. That's my prediction.
2: People get so worked up. I see them with my niece, who's now, I believe, nine or 10 now. Every Christmas I go home, we watch a movie, and the last couple of ones have been a Star Wars film. And, and to see, you know, you see them with a child, they're really entertaining. People get very worked <laughs> up. I'm, I don't understand the... Don't but know. anyway, Patterson is wonderful, if you haven't seen it. Um uh, it's Jim Jarmish, Ghost Dog. And in it's
1: just. In Patterson, New Jersey. In
2: Patterson, New Jersey. And he is a bus driver and he's a poet. And that's more plot oh. than there is in the movie. And it's phenomenal. Okay. I, I, um, I should write
1: that down. Yes. I, you I, well, you, you're you not going to listen to this episode. I know. I have to write that <laughs> down. This is going on my. <laughs> um, my
2: film but so I, I will listen to this again. Uh, James, thank you very, very much for coming out and doing this. Patterson. This was uh, very fun. We appreciate it. It was a blast. Was very fun. And you know what? Come thanks, back with more
1: buckets. Thanks for helping me narrow down my. My obscene list. <laughs> you know what I thought would be a fun one that I didn't pull off? It was, I thought it would be a fun category, which yeah. was um, movies that I have decorated my house with. Um, but then I realized I, I lost some posters. so I, uh-huh. I, I, <laughs> that's all And nice. then I'd be tied into Transformers the movie, which maybe oh. I don't need to talk about.
0: <laughs> Ironically,
1: I'm assuming. No, I was a kid. Oh, I, that's genuine. Oh, I feel so old.
2: Our show was recorded in Hollywood, California, at Crossroads of the World, with the official podcast of trailersfromhell.com, the best damn movie website there is. Our engineer is the composer Don Barrett, who also transmogrified, produced, and created our theme song. This is Josh Olson for the Movies That Made Me.
0: Yep. This is Jesse, the governor of Ventura. I want to set the record straight on some of the events that transpired in the last week. Yes, I met with Tim Waltz, the governor-elect of Minnesota. Now, the mainstream media, they said that I showed up looking like someone emptied an air filter. Here's what happened. I drove up in my van from Cabo all the way to Minnesota. Yep, I've got a van, and it's got some political slogans plastered on the outside, along with some poetry and maybe a couple of tarps. I parked the van on the lawn of the state capitol in St. Paul, and I was blasting my Jimi Hendrix 8-tracks. That's my prerogative as a former governor of the state. Now, to the untrained eye, I might look like a garden-variety madman who shows up screaming that he has to talk to the governor. But in my case, I actually was a governor. So I sat down with Tim Waltz, governor to governor, He said, Jesse, I've really got to go. So I said, sure, here's my advice. There's some common sense, tripartisan solutions for the state of Minnesota. First off, marijuana, legalize it. Not just medical marijuana, not just recreational marijuana. I'm talking about reckless daytime, on-the-job use of all cannabinoids and hallucinogenic substances. Bring those jobs back to the upper Midwest. I'm talking about the tie-dye and glass-blowing industries. They're worth potentially billions of fractions of Bitcoins. Second, I said you gotta do light rail, public transit. That was arguably my only accomplishment in office. Go big. Try a subway to Duluth with one stop in Moose Lake. Build a streetcar trolley that goes to Winnipeg, but it only goes one way. When you get up there, you've got to find your own way back. Build a high-speed bullet train inside the Mall of America. And he said, Jesse, time's up. And I said, you're dead to me. He had me escorted out. So, yeah, well, that's what happened.
3: Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken.